and welcome to today's session of Basic Bible 101. If you have your student workbook, go ahead and get that out now along with your student Bible. If you do not have a student workbook and would like one, you can order that online at www.basicbible101.com. My name is Margie Smith and I will be leading you through this study of Basic Bible 101. To begin with, let's look at what Basic Bible 101 really is. The purpose of this course is to help you understand the Bible a little bit better in general. It is not a verse-by-verse in-depth study. Primarily this class is for beginners and ideally we would like to encourage you to invite anyone you know who is unfamiliar with the Bible to listen into our various podcasts. You know there are many ways of exploring the Grand Canyon. You could decide to take a backpacking trip down the side, stopping along the way and checking out every little plant or type of insect or animal. You could decide to take a rapid rafting trip down the Colorado River. Uh, Those of you that are thrill seekers and just want to experience the excitement without much detail at all, that would be one way to experience the Grand Canyon. Or you could decide to take a helicopter trip across the top kind of getting a survey of all the various areas and checking out the places that you might like to come back and perhaps hike into. This class is the helicopter version of studying the Bible. We will cover the entire Bible in a very broad way, each week taking on one lesson that um, one main thought and it may include several uh, books of the Bible or it may we may spend several weeks in just one book of the Bible. If you have your student notebook, you can turn to the table of contents and it will give you some idea of what we'll be covering each week. For today, I'm just going to give you a little bit of an overview of what you can expect in this class. To begin with, Basic Bible 101 is a one-year commitment. Ideally, you will read the assigned Bible passages and answer some discussion questions. I would be very encouraged if you would tune in every week and do your lessons on a regular basis. On the other hand, I know that things come up in life and you may have to group several of your lessons together. But if you can keep up with the class, you'll do much better. You may choose to tackle the larger goal of reading the entire Bible through. And if you choose to do that, there is a reading outline that's also included in your student notebook. Basic Bible 101 really is an opportunity to understand the Bible more fully in a more comprehensive way. If you have a group that is studying this together, and that would be wonderful, after you have all listened to the most recent podcast, you could get together and go over your discussion questions just to kind of see where you are and how you compare with what other people are thinking about that area. I believe that the Bible is the inspired Word of God and so you should know that from the very beginning that I believe that everything we're reading about is absolutely true but I do realize that some of you listening to this podcast will not have that same attitude and that's fine I just encourage you to listen with an open mind I will also let you know that some of my bias is that I have been raised as in the Baptist Church I hope you won't hold that against me because I certainly would not call myself uh, a fundamentalist, although I do very much believe in God, the power of God's word and, and in the truth of the scripture. And I do hold to a lot of the things that the Baptist faith believes. However, as you probably know, Baptists are in as much flux as any religion right now. 
Okay, let me give you a little preview of what each section will be like. You can see from the notebook that you will have a series of questions to answer before the class. I will pause at times and ask you to stop your, your recording and consider the question that I have just asked. I know that without your feedback it will be hard for me to actually know and understand that you're getting what we're studying. But you can always email me. My email is margie at basicbible101.com and I will be happy to answer your questions individually. From time to time I'll be referring to maps or reference material or charts that may be in the back of your student notebook. If they are not, be sure and email me or check online at basicbible101.com because there is a reference section and you may find what you're looking for there. If I have referred to it and there is nothing in your student book notebook that, that uh, has that in it or in the student Bible, sometimes I'll refer to something that will be in the student Bible, then be sure and contact me because it may be that your notebook is uh, has omitted uh, a few things that should be in there and I will send them to you. Okay, um, each week we'll begin with a brief review of what we covered the previous week. I'll ask some general discussion questions to kind of get you thinking and then we will move into the topic for that day. After we have finished a section, you will take a quiz over those lessons and at the end of the uh, entire session, series of sessions, which is broken up into the Old and New Testament, which we'll discuss in just a minute, there will be a final exam. That final exam will be available uh, password protected online so that within a given time you'll be allowed to go on to the website and take that test. If you do not have website access or that's going to be an undue difficulty for you, then be sure and email me and I will send you a copy of the final exam. I would encourage you to send it back to me, um, those of you that get it in, in uh, printed format. Those of you that take the course online and take the test uh, off the website, I will have your responses and then we'll be able to get back to you and let you know how you did. Okay, let's begin today's lesson. First of all, you're probably wondering, who am I to be able to teach the Bible at all? And quite honestly, I am just a layperson who has studied the Bible most of my life. I am over 45, <laughs> I'll leave it at that, not much, but somewhat over 45, and thoroughly have enjoyed studying the Bible, both from other teachers and on my own and, and through uh, commentaries and from various authors. So my background is one of just a student myself. Of course I want to encourage you to be a critical thinker so as we're studying this if you hear me say something that you don't quite understand or don't agree with be sure and ask a Christian friend, pastor or email me and I will try to give you some other references for why I hold that opinion. But for the most part the things I'll be presenting to you will be simply the stories of the Bible. I will try to avoid giving you too much editorialized content because I know that you're here to study the Bible for yourself, not to understand what it is that I believe. However, I know that sometimes you need some kind of frame of reference to be able to understand what a scripture is saying. And so I will give you that frame of reference from my own knowledge and from, uh, if, when necessary, I will allude to other references that you can check out for yourself. 
those of you that are more familiar with the Bible will recognize the, the tough areas when we get to them and we'll be able to refer back to some previous study you may have done. Those of you that are totally new to the Bible, I will caution you when we get to that those sections and say, you may want to check this out more thoroughly on your own. So one of the things about basic Bible class is that if you're doing this in a group, there is no dumb or stupid question. Anything you ask is fair game, and the group should be very open to discussing that. So I want to encourage you, those of you that will be studying this as a group, to take the time to really affirm each other when you ask a question. Also, from time to time, I will encourage you to read part of the scripture. And if that's the case, and in your group, if you stop and actually read the scripture, whoever is reading, I want to really encourage you to don't be too worried about the pronunciation or how to say certain names. They're very complicated. Many of them are in Hebrew, and, and I know that's difficult. So the rest of the group should be very encouraging about that. And if anyone does not want to read and your group leader calls on you to, um, ideally the group leaders, you should know not to call on anyone that it is voluntary. And so if you don't want to read, just simply say, I'll skip this one. And hopefully group leaders that you will not ask anyone to read. Okay, um, if I say something that you really don't agree with and you think is heresy and you can't imagine anybody who knows the Bible at all would say what I have just alluded to or said, please check out the scriptures for yourself. And I want to encourage you to do that all along the way anyway. But it may just be that you've heard this wrong or that I misspoke and that certainly can happen. So be sure and contact me via email if at all possible and let me know that you didn't quite understand that uh, what I just had said the previous podcast. Uh, be sure and reference the exact volume and date for the podcast because there will be quite a few as we go along and I may not know exactly which part you're talking about. Okay, let's begin with what is the Bible anyway? It's really a compilation of writings from various authors over the course of about 3,500 years. It begins with God's account of how the world began or the creation story. Many of you will know it as the, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, the seven days of creation. And we will cover that story next week. The Bible is separated into two main divisions, the Old Testament and the New Testament. The word testament means covenant or an agreement. So as, as in a marriage covenant or your last will and testament, it is what you have agreed to. So when we talk about the Old Testament or the New Testament, we're talking about God's old or original agreement with his people. And the New Testament is his new agreement with his people now. The Old Testament covers pretty much the history of the Jewish nation, uh, the nation of Israel, until the time of Christ. The New Testament takes it from there and ends just a couple of, pretty much 150 years after Jesus was uh, died on the cross. And from the various writers, uh, there's uh, you can tell where it pretty well leaves off with the last book, which is the book of Revelations. There's a lot of controversy about which books should have been included in the Bible. And I want to encourage you to read some of the reference materials that I've included on how we got the Bible and which part of it is canonized. Canonized means was generally accepted by the early uh people who put together the Bible, the early scholars. Each testament is made up of books, 
chapters and verses. So take a minute to thumb through your Bible, starting with the Old Testament. You can look right at the beginning as the book of Genesis, then Exodus, then Leviticus. Each book then is broken down into chapters, one, two, three, as you'll see, and each of those chapters are broken down into verses. Each verse is numbered, so and that's handy for us so that we can refer to chapter 12, verse 3, or whatever, and so we're all looking at the same spot. Of course, originally the Bible was not broken up into chapters and verses. They were just entire books. Um, the reason that it has become uh, so segmented is because is for the purpose of study so that we can all make sure we're looking at the same passage and be able to refer to it very easily and quickly. The names will seem strange. They were originally in Hebrew. Some of them are Greek. So my encouragement to you is not to get too hung up on the pronunciation of the words. I will use what I think is the right pronunciation and I could be wrong too. I'm sure there will be Hebrew scholars who will come across this class and say, she just butchered that name and I greatly apologize for that. And if you want to send me a correction, that would be great. Okay, so how did we get the Bible in this particular form? Well, the first few Bible stories were pretty much passed down from generation to generation simply by word of mouth. More than likely, it was made up of some kind of a song or responsive reading. It was memorized and retold on a regular basis. The oldest manuscripts were written on papyrus reeds that were flattened out like paper, kind of dried out, and then they would use ink or different kinds of... Um, residue from flowers or wherever they could get it that was dark juices that they could use to write on this papyrus. And so that is how some of our original manuscripts came about. The Egyptians used the form of written communication as uh, just with papyrus and as well as carving into stone. And so those old um, references you'll see to um, the Ten Commandments carved in stone originally, yes it was, uh, did uh, come about that it was written on uh, stone tablets. Eventually the stories were written down and then studied by religious leaders and scholars, Bible scholars. And so you will notice that most of the books in the Old Testament are narratives. They explain people, places, events that, took, that happened uh, in the early beginning of the Hebrew nation. Later on, there you'll see some poetry, they, the Psalms we call them, Proverbs, um, which are also kind of known as um, famous sayings, words of wisdom, and uh, the books by the prophets, which are most, for the most part, first-person accounts. So each book is written a little differently and, and probably has a different author. Some authors have written more than one book in the Bible. But we believe, at least I personally believe, that all of the scripture was inspired by God when it was uh, put into some kind of written form, or even at the beginning in verbal form, that the Spirit inspired whoever it was that was um, taking down notes and um, writing the material so that it could be given to uh, future generations. So that is my belief. Some people just think it was just people writing what they knew at the time. But I believe that God definitely had a hand in it because it has withstood so much uh, time. 3,000 years is a long time for anything to survive and for a set of written um, 
guidelines, instructions, um, mementos on what was happening between people and God. I think that's a pretty amazing thing. Okay, you will notice that the New Testament is primarily letters. It begins with the four different accounts of the life of Jesus, and then it goes into a series of letters that were written by some of the apostles to the early church. So when we get to the New Testament, each of the books will be handled separately and hope, hopefully completely as a separate letter. Um, some of the letters were written by the same person, but they usually were written at different times. So we can handle all of that as a group, and some of them I will group together because they're very similar. In fact, what would happen is that a book would be, uh, a letter would be written, and it would pa be passed around to several different churches. So the audience becomes very important for some of those letters and they are very specific in parts. So I want to kind of warn you ahead of time that the Old Testament is far more general than the New Testament, and the New Testament tends to have much more specific audience. It's either written to the Jews or to the Gentiles or to people in a particular, like the Christians in Corinth or, or wherever. The Old Testament is much more general in, in the audiences being written to. It's pretty much written to anybody who wants to read it. Okay. After, at the beginning, about um, when the Jews first began studying and memorizing scriptures, uh, eventually about 285 years before Christ, the Old Testament began to be translated into Greek. Originally it was all in Hebrew, which is the language of the Israel nation. At that time, the reason it was translated into Greek is because so much of the world by that time was being taken over by the uh, Greeks. And eventually it was taken over by the Romans. But in about 285 B.C., uh, Greece was pretty much the primary uh, nation to be reckoned with. And so um, a lot of things were translated into Greece at, or Greek at that time. The version of the scriptures at that time was called the Septuagint because there were 70 scholars that worked on those Hebrew uh, scriptures and translated them. After Jesus arrived on the scene, the disciples wrote from first person, as I mentioned. These books were widely copied and circulated. They were primarily in Greek as well. So, and then at one time, eventually, after there were several of these um, copies of scripture around, there was some debate about, okay, which of these are authentic and which of these are just uh, copied uh, bits and pieces and so there the early church that was one of the first things they had to deal with was which part of the letters which of the letters that they received or passed around should be considered scripture holy inspired scripture and which were pretty much just specific or for a particular uh, purpose or uh, really not considered scripture I know that's a tough thing to think about now because we tend to uh, think well boy that was a pretty fine line who got to decide that but it was widely debated and lots of the church uh, leaders of the church came together to decide which ones could be included one very influential teacher at that time was a priest in Alexandria named Origen he spoke of the different levels of scripture and those of you that have your student notebook there you can see that I've quoted him it says it says there, the scriptures were composed to the Spirit of God and have both a meaning which is obvious and another which is hidden from most readers. The whole law is spiritual, 
but the inspired meaning is not recognized by all. Only by those who are gifted with the grace of the Holy Spirit in the word of wisdom and knowledge. This is a quote from Church History in Plain Language by Bruce Shelley. You can find it from Word, you can obtain it from Word Publishing, 1995. What he's saying there is that it's difficult to study the Bible because it's really written in two levels. One is the obvious level, which is basically the story or what the words literally say. The second is to step back and consider the scripture and what its um, heart, the heart of the matter is. And so because those of us that are Christians believe that the Spirit of God within you will help enlighten your mind and help you to understand scripture, it may be hard for some of you who are seekers and have not yet decided to um, be a believer in Christ it may be difficult for you to understand some of these scriptures and if that's the case I would just encourage you to be patient listen check out the sources and then just if you would be willing to um, ask God for enlightenment and see if the uh, if the Lord will give you an understanding of particular scripture there are those people who believe that it is impossible for someone who is not a Christian to understand scripture you know, I'm not so sure that that's true because I think that God gives us as much as we can handle at a time. And so there are plenty of favorite passages that the whole world has adopted. They understand them differently perhaps than a Christian would, but that doesn't make them less inspired or uh, moving to the general population. So for now, I would just say be patient and ask God to help you understand what you're reading. 400 years after Jesus walked on the earth, the Bible as we know it was first compiled into a single grouping of books. It was translated into Latin by a Catholic priest named Jerome, who served under Pope Damasus. The, this version of the Bible, known as the Vulgate, is still used by Catholics today. The only real difference between the Catholic Bible and that which is used by people of Protestant faith is a section of books in that's referred to as the Apocrypha. These are 12 to 15 books, depending on how you group them, that were originally considered part of scriptures by the Jews in Palestine in the early days of Christianity. But neither Jesus nor the disciples considered them scripture. Jews beyond Palestine tended to ignore these books entirely. The West, however, of course, remember at the time the Roman Empire had spread across most of the world as they knew it then. And one of the influential uh, spiritual leaders at that time, church leaders, was Augustine, a well-known bishop of Hippo. He tended to accept these books. So in the 16th century, during the Reformation, when the church split, non-Catholics or Protestants rejected the Apocrypha while Catholics tended to keep it and accept it as bona fide scripture. The books we accept as the New Testament were adopted early in the life of the church and were directly tied to an apostle as a test of the book's validity. So if it was not written by an apostle or dictated by an apostle, it was not generally considered to be scripture. Okay, over the course of time, those scriptures that were originally Hebrew and then Greek were translated into Latin, which was the language of the Roman Empire. But, of course, by the 8th century, only scholars could understand Latin. It was not a widely used language. So the only way you could hear God's word was from a priest. Then, in 1383, and 
an Englishman named John Wycliffe, defied the church authorities and hand-wrote an English version of the Bible. Johann Gutenberg, you may remember that name, he was the original German inventor of the printing press, printed the first Latin Bible in 1456. But of course, the king and the church forbid, forbid anyone other than a priest to read it. William Tyndale, an Oxford scholar, took Wycliffe's version, went back to the original Greek and Hebrew versions, and came up with an English translation of the New Testament in 1525. This was smuggled into England. Tyndale and his editor John Rogers were executed for translating the Bible into everyday language. So you can see that it um, really has been tightly held by priests and religious leaders up until really the middle of the 14th century. At about the same time, Martin Luther, studying to be a priest in Germany, decided that the Bible should be accessible to everyone. He produced a German translation for the common people, which made the church very upset. His translation was based on the original Hebrew and Greek te texts, but not the Catholic Vulgate. He was excommunicated from the church, which means he was basically kicked out, and thus began the Reformation, which we call the Protestant Reformation, where Christianity pretty much broke up into Lutherans, Presbyterians, Baptists, Methodists. Pretty much any faith right now that is considered itself Christian but is not Catholic. Then in 1604, a conference was called by King James I, which included 54 scholars, all experts in Hebrew and Greek, and they commissioned the development of a new Bible. They returned to the Greek and Hebrew text, trying to use the beauty and style of the original writers. This version is still used today and is referred to as the King James Bible. You'll notice it's the one that says thee and thou quite a bit, and for the most part, there aren't very many churches that still use the King James Version, but there are some people who really do say that's the only true way to get the flavor of Scripture. In 1947, a young man looking for a lost goat found some ancient scrolls in a cave above the Dead Sea in Israel. We know these scrolls now as the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were written in Hebrew, and they date to about 100 B.C., Many modern translations include some of the text that was found on the Dead Sea Scrolls. So for the most part, what was discovered then has been incorporated into your current translation. If you compare all the versions, you won't notice a lot of difference. If you took, went to the Bible bookstore or to any store that carries Bibles, and just laid them all across and turned to a particular passage and read a chapter in, in each one of them, the same chapter, I think you would find very little difference. And the reason is because most scholars, most Bible writers, tended to go back to as close to the original as they could. But there are some differences, and that is why for this class I want to encourage you to pick up a copy of the NIV Student Bible by Zondervan. This will allow all of us, when I read scripture, you will be able to follow along in the same uh, exact wording that I'm using. I realize that many of you have your own preferred version of the Bible or study Bible that you have and you've used for a long time or whatever, and that's fine. I don't really care if you decide you want to study it out of your particular version, but if you notice discrepancies, that's the reason. It's because I am using the NIV Student Bible. 
I think it's a particularly good one for students because there's a lot of little call-outs and maps and charts and I will be referring to those if you do not have a copy of the student Bible and would like to re, uh, get one you can see my website there's a way you can order one through me uh, at a discounted rate because I do buy them in bulk and the idea behind that is to allow you to be able to as a group if you're studying as a group so that everyone in your particular study is all reading from the same passage uh, version Okay, I want to here point out that there is a difference between a version, which is a translation, and a paraphrase. A paraphrase is someone's perspective on scripture. They've just taken, taken passages and, and written it in their own language, their own personal uh, preferred way of speaking, which makes it very handy for those of us who like to read the Bible in, in an English or in a... Uh, format that is easy to read. However, there is a the difference between a paraphrase, which is just someone's interpretation, and a translation, which actually goes back to the original language and tries to interpret the words precisely like they were meant to be interpreted, which makes it a little more difficult to read because, of course, cultures are different. Yeah, had you been a Jew back in Palestine in at the turn of the before at, when Christ was alive, you would have understood the meaning of what Jesus said much better than we can understand it today because we were not part of the culture then and some of his references refer to things that we may not even know what those are. However, the beauty of translation is that the scholars who worked on these passages were able to think, okay, what would that be the equivalent of now? So that's why a translation is far more accurate because they try to use the exact word, phrase, or meaning, however translating it into English or whatever language you're reading it in. In our case, it's English. All right, if you would like more information about how the Bible we study came into being, then I would encourage you to go to my website and check out the references, or in the back of your student book, there are some references there. Okay, for next week... I want to encourage you to go ahead and read the creation story, which is at the very beginning, Genesis. Be sure you get past all of the uh, introduction to the Bible that's in the beginning of your student Bible and get to the, where it actually begins with the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 1. It will begin in the beginning. And so if you will read the first two chapters, we will cover that next in our next session. Also want to encourage you to do the answer the questions in your student workbook at that time and spend some time thinking about what was really going on in this passage. Um, it's very creative and it gives you the a very distinct impression of God's ability to use his imagination and to see things that, that just didn't exist at the time and he by his very word spoke them into being. The Old Testament will end with the promise of a Messiah. It, we, when we begin the New Testament, we will talk then about Jesus the Messiah. And that covers the New Testament. But for now, we will begin in the beginning, work our way through the history of the Jewish nation and God's relationship with his people, the Old Covenant or Testament, as we've mentioned. And then at the end of that time, which will take roughly about eight months, we will begin the New Testament. 
Thank you for your patience with me and for listening to my voice, which sometimes gets scratchy. And I really want to encourage you to make this a two-way dialogue. Email me if you get the chance. And until our next session, I want to encourage you to order your student workbook if you don't have one. And be sure to do the homework. Thanks. See you next time.